Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash catelecast. This month, we're recommending The Disaster Artist, My Life Inside the Room, the greatest bad movie ever made by Greg Sistero and Tom Bissell. Greetings, travelers. My name is Nick Murphy. And my name is Satchel Drakes. And welcome to the Cinephilia Anonymous telecast. We're going to take you on an interstellar adventure through the darkest corners of your mind to unlock your hidden passion for cinema. Dude, how's it going? I'm great, man. How have you been? I've been doing well. You know, I'm I'm actually, I'm really glad that we're kind of recording this again. I was at, um, I was at UCB. What? Uh, just a couple, just a couple weeks ago, um, went for this like late night comedy night. It was, to- it was totally just like an impromptu thing to kind of like fill up the evening with something to do. Yeah. And I was coming out of a show, uh, with JP and there was, there was this random kid who like kind of looked at me funny and I was like, <laughs> should I know who you are? And then he's like, are you Satchel? And then I was like, yeah. And then he's like, dude, like I love Cinephilia Anonymous. Whoa. Like it, um, it it inspired me to move out here and uh, take film classes, no and I was way. like, "Whoa, yeah!" I didn't get a chance to tell you. I was just like, "Whoa, that's so tight!" Damn, that's um, awesome. I know that was like really cool. Oh um, man, I love and, like running into people like that. When we were at that convention. Um, there were so many people I who know. were like super into the show. Yeah, yeah, man, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm glad we're we're, yeah. we're getting back into it. Yeah, um, oh, that's awesome, man. How was UCB? I always wanted to go oh. there. I never, I've never been. Dude, it's good. The, the next time you kind of catch a moment in life, uh, or when you're up here, we'll go. It's, um, it, I mean, it's varying. Every night they have a bunch of stuff going on. Like I feel like almost every hour and a half, there's like a new kind of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Whether it's ranging from like stand up to like improv, you know. Oh, that's um, cool. But yeah, always generally like a really good time. Very talented people. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I loved the Upright Citizen Brigade show when I was a kid, and then I have I had like a shirt that I bought from them, and like people would be like, "Yo, UCB!" I'm like, "I know, I want to go so bad. I feel like a poser because <laughs> I haven't, but I'm just a fan of what they do." <laughs> there are people. There used to be people that will go down to Philly and do shows all the time. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember when I was like had a short stint, and I was like kind of like dating both in New York and Philly. Um, I would always look up stuff, and there would be stuff like going on down there, like the same show. They'd bring it down. So. Oh, that's cool. Be, yeah, we have a good uh, comedy scene kind of happening here. You went to that uh, that comedy theater. We did that live show at. That was so cool. That was such a cool space. What, yeah. what, what, what space was that again? Uh, it's called Good Good Comedy, and they do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They do stuff like every day of the week, and then uh, a few times in the year they'll do like a five dollar comedy thing where. You pay $5 and you get like a bunch of shows that you can go to. It's real cheap, really affordable. It's just a cool, fun, goofy time. We always have a good time whenever we go. That's cool. Yeah. The the space was really nice and like the staff was like super, everyone just seemed super chill. Yeah. It was like really fun. A really great night. How do you even like for, I don't know, I don't know if you can share it on air, but like how do you even, um, if you like you, when you guys were like pitching your show, like what kind of stuff do you have to bring to the table? Like I guess you like share, I don't know what, how like the kind of pull you have or something like that like um, what kind of how do you do with openings <laughs> for us i mean it's very much a it sounds so corny but it was like a who you know kind of thing so we got it have become friends with uh the sketch duo uh the incredible matt and jackie the incredible shrinking matt and jackie is their 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 uh that's perfect their stage name yeah they're great so they're this comedy well, duo carnival they're, situation oh they're so good they're so much fun to work with they've been in a few of our sketches they were in our star wars thing and then by going to their shows, we met the owners of Good Good, and then uh, we kind of became friends with them from just seeing them at these different comedy shows. And then uh, they were in the process of opening this theater because they had they they would do they would put on shows at other theaters, and then they were like, no, we need a dedicated space. So they did the Kickstarter and uh, started yeah. that space, and then just we just developed a relationship with them. Um, and they were like, you know, if you guys ever want to use our our theater for any of your stuff, like more than welcome to. And we're like, Oh, that'd be cool to do like a podcast Uh, or something. 
and That's then they perfect. were like, "Yeah, you could do a podcast." They're like, "You guys, I think she's like uh, Kate, who runs it, was like, I think you guys could do like a live show. You guys would have like a great time doing like a live show." So we were yeah. like, "Oh yeah, that would be fun if we did like." And a, you killed it! Gosh uh, darn it! We were all right. No, nah, it was great, man. <laughs> it was like I remember it was just like magical, and oh. like I just came out like so proud of you guys, and so like happy to just see like a really great compendium of stuff going on like it must have felt like a milestone in a kind of way putting it really together was. your work we, like yeah we really like hustled to kind of get everything together um you know we we filmed i think three sketches just for that um we're gonna mm. put them out uh in the next like month or two um oh great then, finally everyone else gets to see it that's cool yeah yeah so we're gonna do all that and then like we wrote like little bits you know specifically for it, and we like rehearsed it like like 15 times it was it was cool man i never really considered myself a live performer um but uh doing that i was like oh yeah i guess i could be all right at this this is interesting this is a different set of skills i'm gonna work with yeah yeah it was cool it was a good time i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah lots of lots of smart jokes it actually felt like one really long smart joke like it felt like one really nice like subversive cerebral <laughs> it was kind of like a joke within a joke if, yeah, if was, i'm, if I'm honest which which i love <laughs> so much about it because i just i can't my, my favorite part about the way you guys sort of like write together is honestly it it takes away trying to put words to exactly what it is and that's uh, not a cop out like no, I, I genuinely I feel that it. way <laughs> yeah we we have this tendency to kind of like build on each other to the point of just Okay, we need to stop now. <laughs> oh, man. So What's been happening with you, man? What have you been up to? Oh, dude, I've been chilling out. Um, so a couple of years ago, myself and three other friends, um, YouTubers, we put together this kind of 90s-style boy band comprised oh. of video game villains. Oh, yeah. Oh, I and, saw um, yeah, so <laughs> we put out an album back a, a, a while ago, and it ended up doing really well, making number two on Billboard's under, under comedy, and like the we had like a single that like over time went platinum, and it was like, whoa, was not expecting all that to happen. <laughs> um, we decided we wanted to put out a vinyl to just, I guess, sort of com- commemorate all that, but then also it was, I think it was also just something we had um, in the pipeline, uh, but we we weren't necessarily able to fulfill just yet. And, um, we, we, we put together a music video to sort of remind people, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. about the tracks that we did. Uh, but also just because why the hell not make a really fun music video? And it's about cooking eggs, um, yeah. in sweet, sweet memory of our favorite villain, Dr. Eggman. You guys um, do such a good job <laughs> with it. Um, it's cool because it has like that cooking show style, but then it reminded me of like a Beastie Boys video which i like love you guys use like this like wide angle lens a lot for like these like cut-ins it's really really dude, well dude i love that comparison dude that's so flattering yeah so I, I the the director aaron umatani he is like not only is he just an amazing guy who i've sort of been admiring from afar for years but also i was really excited when we on the day of the shoot because working with him was spectacular yeah first of all he's one of the most organized people i know like he walks oh, around with cool. his like a remarkable pad like it's sort of like a the e-ink tablet that you can write on or whatever oh, and he just goes cool. bam 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 through each shot and he's super encouraging and very descriptive like for what he's looking for so yeah it was cool he, there was actually in youtube sort of infancy i guess sort of in the heyday of youtube uh there was this network called the game station that did a lot of video game type content and they had this uh mini series this high budget or for you know for youtube high budget mini series called the street fighter mm-hmm. it was my favorite thing on the internet as a ode to video games and i found out actually on set i brought it up and he was like oh yeah that was a lot of fun to work on and i was like oh my goodness you put that together i'm dying like oh dude that's crazy <laughs> it was so good so anyone in podcast land who's watched that um it's that dude it was it was uh it was a lot of fun that's um, awesome uh, man yeah like you guys had a it's like super good production value where did you guys shoot it at uh, so I flew out to LA, uh, where almost everybody else was, mm-hmm. and we went to my goodness, what's it called? So from pe- for people from California, it was about an hour away from LA proper, okay. Um, where the Six Flags is, okay. Um, it, it rhymes with Pomona. I'm not entirely sure, but it was actually 
at the studio that we recorded the album. So the producer oh. that we work with, uh, Jake, Jake Kaufman, who's just this musical genius, um, and very well known in the video game world for putting together like Shovel Knight and, mm-hmm. um, Double Dragon. He, um, at the time, he was just sort of like really good friends and kind of partners with the owner of the space and was, you know, working on his projects there. But over time, he ended up actually owning a piece of the space or owning all of the space. Oh, wow. And it turns out in the back of it was, this area that was sort of like a, a real culinary art studio. Like it was a kitchen oh, that I guess what? people would go to for workshops or whatever. Yeah. And they were like, well, I mean, if you're going to do a video about cooking eggs, like you can just use that. Like we, we still have it. We haven't changed it or anything. Oh. People just use it as their kitchen for like lunch, you know? Damn, so it's awesome. So it was really perfect. And I'm sure it saved a ton of money with regards to just like putting out dollars. and stuff. Yeah. Like dude, everything. It, it looked like, like a, like a cooking show set. Like I, I know Gerard knows a couple of like those like YouTube cooking people. I didn't know if like he like <laughs> commandeered yeah. their sets, but it looked like, it looked like a set from a show. It was so well done. Yeah, dude. dude yeah. It's Cause it, it was like it was cool. super good dance move. Did you guys get a choreographer? <laughs> Or did you, you, know, just, we, did you just bust so those out? It's it's a mix of the two. Uh, the stuff where we're dancing on ourselves, that's just us. Like they had like 30 minutes where they were just like, we're going to roll the camera, just dance. Oh, okay. And I guess, you know, for filler, right? And then also um, we the night before, um, we were dancing till like maybe 1 or 2 a.m. We had mm-hmm. a, a samba uh, instructor yeah. who choreographed a whole team dance. So when you see all three of us on camera – um, we spent a few hours late at night sort of uh, learning that and doing that. And that was a lot of fun and a very new experience. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's <laughs> For lack awesome. of better words. What I'll say is I'm glad that we were with Aaron Umatani because I knew that he would be able to save our destruction of this, this beautiful uh, chore- <laughs> dance routine that somebody who knows what they're doing put together. Yeah, and the nice thing about the the way it's kind of like – hypercut um like that that's like a super compliment because it's like it's like the editing is like super on point in it um yeah. but like and at any point if like one of the three i know you guys like aren't professional dancers so like at any point if anyone gets like off rhythm you just like cut away and it just like yeah. looks like you're still going <laughs> like they cut um, away or like yeah. they, they shot in 4k so they'll jump in and like show our upper bodies because that might be in sync and our <laughs> right. feet might not be oh, you only crazy. notice it when you know what was a mess. <laughs> but, no way. But yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I did not pick that up at all. I was just like, that would be a way for me to like get out of a jam. Like if I yeah. was like, all right, if, if me, Paul, and Josh have to shoot like a dance scene, I'd be like, okay, we'll just like edit the shit out of it. So in case any of us probably would get off beat, we'll just use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Use editing to get get out of that jam. That's great. Oh my god, dude! Nice job, man. Dude, we've been been a busy bit of filmmakers recently. You shot. Wait. You put something on Instagram the other day. Was it yesterday? Uh, it was Maybe. like these papers against a wall. Oh, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Is that another film project you're working on? Uh, no, that's not film. It was just for photography. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. There's this There's this band who um, they're doing this album cover. That's it. Well, they're doing a concept album that's based on that's based on the story, this fictional story they put together about this guy who writes all these journals and about this woman he loved or whatever. So um, for the scene we sort of had like a brainstorming session and I thought it'd be a cool idea to um, spend an absorbent amount of time, uh, buy a bunch of composition books and write like song lyrics and notes about whatever, you know, about what the album was about Mm -hmm. and then rip all the pages out and tape them along a wall, along the floor and then kind of photograph the band members in the space. Damn. That's cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. it It was a lot of fun. I love that stuff. Um, let's Maybe. jump into the disaster artist. Um, yeah, dude, this feels like a part two of, uh, it, I mean, it kind of is of our like, room. We, it, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> nice. It's nice to revisit that. Um, so here's just some like, kind of like basic info. Disaster artist was, uh, directed by James Franco. Uh, it was, um, the screenplay was written, uh, by Scott, uh, Neustadler and or Neustadter and Michael Weber. It's based on the disaster artist, the book by Greg Sestero and Tom Bissell. Um, and it's produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um, obviously starring James Franco, Dave Franco, Seth Rogen, and a whole host of other incredible people. Um, mm-hmm. It won uh, a Golden Globe for Best Actor, James Franco. And it was nominated for Best Perfect. Picture for a Golden Globe. Yeah. And um, 
Best Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards. And I think uh, Franco won a... Uh, uh, I don't know if he won. I think he just was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild uh, Award. Such a decorated record. Do you have any particular feelings about just how decorated this film is? Yeah, you know what? I I, I saw it in theaters, um, and I was really excited at how uh, good it was and how much I enjoyed it. And then by the end of it, I saw it with my wife, and we walked out, and her immediate thing was like, yo, James Franco should win an Oscar for this. And I was like, yeah, I'm so surprised. Like how good he was in this it it was yeah it was jaw dropping um and i yeah. I, I couldn't I, I wasn't sure if that was just because we had watched the room and we're familiar with it or if someone who had no idea what the room was and just watched this if they would still think that if they would just think i kept wondering that too being a like weirdo. could i go into this blind and be like whoa this is great this moves me to want to see the room yeah i wonder if <laughs> if someone who is isn't aware of the room would watch it and just think that it's so ridiculous like ah that's, that's just they just they did goofy shit for the sake of doing goofy shit when in reality it's like a real thing that people have been analyzing for yeah. like 10 years yeah um yeah what was uh so what was your like initial reaction like coming out of it what 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 did you think when kind of the credits rolled and and everything ended i thought a lot of things i never for myself pieced together a grand narrative of how tommy was became who he is Mm -hmm. like not with regards to like notoriety or like career but like sort of like the emotional movements or growth in character. I never considered the production of a film like this as a coming of age story. I always saw it more as a, uh, this wealthy, incredibly aloof guy who has a real problem with uh, picking up social cues, Mm -hmm. spending his money in the way that he typically would to put together something terrible and, trying the best for the rest of his life to achieve some kind of idea of fame that he has and (laughs) which is bleak (laughs) i know but like um i guess i never really did i never really put too much thought to it past that this film put a really interesting lens on all of it where it did feel like this interesting kind of growth moment where i i felt for him yeah not and i and maybe in some ways sympathize and in some ways um I just felt like I was walking with him a lot tighter rather than him just sort of being this crazy guy that gave me this really funny, terror bad film, you know? So in that way, and, and I'm speaking as somebody who, um, read the, Dis- the disaster artist. Oh, okay. And, me too. Okay, cool. I was yeah. So, that. so in that way, um, the film actually, so I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot and I was blown away. Like for the longest time, I always saw James Franco as a stellar supporting role mm-hmm. and, this for the first time, it felt like he was doing his own thing. And of course, his, his impressions were amazing. And there was yeah. a lot of kind of inside baseball that you can enjoy, like the one for one scene comparisons and things oh, like that. God, and they're kind at of, the end, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. That self awareness was so, um, on point. I'd say in the beginning, I'd say I, my investment really ramped up, um, when they started shooting the film because uh prior to that i I don't know so you've read the disaster artist as well Mm -hmm. it the lead-in into it felt like cherry picking like a highlight reel from the actual story in order to tell the audience these are who these people are right Um, right it felt it felt it felt very like cookie cutter in that sense you know like we've seen movies of of people who we're going to Hollywood and they said we can't do it and we're going to do it. Right. And that's literally like the first half hour to 45 minutes of this movie is just kind of setting them up for right. failure and only to kind of like yeah. rise from the ashes in this, in this weird yeah. way. Like, Mar- like Mark's mother is just an idea. She's not really a character. Yeah, in, exactly. Like, and same yeah. thing with like his, his acting coach and um, his like agent, his agent. Yeah. They're just kind of there to, as as they're just there as like characters to just be like authority figures to be like you can't do this you can't do this even like Judd Apatow's character like you should never do this and yeah. then they're kind of like pushed away and like they they're 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 <laughs> the actors who play them are playing these cameo roles but then the characters are also like 
cameos in this thing. They're just kind of like, right. hey, cool, see you later. <laughs> I mean, and that's what's crazy about this whole thing is that those three kind of like throwaway characters are like juggernauts, Judd Apatow, um, Melanie Griffith, and Sharon Stone. Even that moment in the beginning where with the endorsements were just like... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about that too. Like when they come up, I wonder if that's if that serves like the purpose to establish the audience that this is a real thing, or at least if you are not aware of the room to be like, yes, this is real. Or, um, we're pretending that this is real. I guess if you, if you're not aware of it, I guess it's that possible. Would, there, would there's that, no, it's possible. Like, there's no other real way to know. I mean, yeah, other than hearsay, I guess. Yeah. I guess it's like to give that like the gravitas of like, this is a real thing. And these are really these, actors that you know who are funny who are saying this fake movie is very funny too yeah yeah and even like jj abrams <laughs> being in the, i yeah. know i was like They're really like, they yeah. really went out of their way um, i love it <laughs> yeah it was so so crazy yeah the book is the book is very much uh like greg's journey i mean obviously he wrote it but it, it's it's very like centered on him and Tommy just kind of like orbits him um, and we really connect with him emotionally. But then in the movie, like you were saying, it's, it's much more of like a Tommy movie. It's much more about him and, and reading the book. I always felt for Greg. I'm like, ah, Greg, you got wrapped up with this weirdo. And now you're going to be like wrapped up with this movie, but at least you have like, a good <laughs> outlook on it. Whereas in the movie, it's, it's very much, um, you're like, ah, Tommy's ostracized. Like, there's a part where he calls him, um, uh, what, what is his name? Um, I think I played Better Call Saul. Um, oh, I know you're talking about when he gets the opportunity. Yeah. With the Malcolm yeah, and the like, Little Guy. Yeah. Oh my, I can't believe it. I forget his name. Um, I but, never uh, knew. <laughs> uh, Bob Odenkirk. There it is. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Um, so he, yeah, he, he, he like asks him if he's like a villain. He's like, I see you as like a, like a, like a Frankenstein. And then there's a part in the film, like in the room where Tommy is doing these like Frankenstein destruction of like the set. And like the entire yeah. crew is like turning on him, like, you know, ostracizing him as if he is a monster. And yeah. then he becomes this monster. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> like, that's, that's a really interesting take on that. And that's, that's a really, that's something that's not in the book that you don't feel, but the movie makes you feel that, which is really interesting. I completely agree. It's, I mean, and it's, it's obviously the value of like, I, I almost wanted to preface that um, I tried my best to, and honestly, it was really not difficult for me to not try to make comparisons oftentimes in like film podcasts or whatever, like people watch a film that's an adaptation of something because these days it has to be in order for it to get greenlit. Right. And they'll try to compare it to the original material, disposing of the fact that each medium is going to highlight different parts of a story yeah, and conventional exactly. limitations, conventional understandings of like um, the depth and like the breadth of something. They're just going to change the nature of it. And so I, I by no means um, I love this film and I by no means kind of compare it to the book material in order to validate it because I don't think that's helpful or fruitful, but yeah. um, it is interesting to see the creative decisions that they made given the source material. Right. And in that way, I completely agree with you where like the film highlights some of the nuance of Wiseau's character um, or like his, his sort of uh, um, I guess his quirks that help bring things full circle as you like get to know him better. And, yeah. Uh, I even like the film's use of repetition so that you kind of find out what he cares about, what he doesn't care about. <laughs> wait, wait, what I do mean, you mean? In, so, in, in some ways, they beat you over the head with it. Like, Tommy was so feeling a bit replaced by Mark's girlfriend. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. Um, all of these little things that, like, were creatively adjusted from from the source material that uh, helped sort of drive home his, his, whole situ his whole deal, his whole situation. Yeah, and I think um, in, in the book, book and, and yeah it's exactly what you're saying like like the book can't ever be the movie and the book and the movie can't ever be the book like they just they're yeah, just they completely can. different mediums like I, I saw i just saw ready player one 
And for oh. you know, for the issues that people have with the book and stuff, I, I think that the movie alleviates a lot of that, um, mm. but also compounds some of it because it's very like Spielbergian and very movie for the sake of being a movie. Um, but same yeah. thing, or like Harry Potter. If you if you enjoy the Harry Potter films, reading the book will only um, kind of expand your experience. Whereas if you are only familiar with the book and then go into the movie, you're going to feel very constrained by the choices yeah. that they make. Especially for... Goblet of Fire. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. You're going to be like, what is this? Yeah, it's like they didn't even, Hermione didn't even It's like I watched the elves. Instagram feel, like, feed of yes. what happened. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was cool that they kept the, the, the James Dean kind of, like, set up. And, and it's, a really good, uh, it's a really good touchstone for Greg and Tommy's character because James Dean is this this – you know, this actor who only had a, a small shelf life, you know, he only got to do um, a few films and these guys are kind of emulating that where they kind of just like burn out after this film, you know, they've done other yeah. things, but like they, they're, they'll only be like, like James Dean is just known for Rebel Without a Cause and these guys are just kind of known for this. So it, it's, it's cool that they kept that parallel from the book yeah. to this. I think that's a really good, um, like addition. One thing that like that was missing from like the book was I I really enjoyed those uh Sunset Boulevard quotes at the start of like oh, each wait, chapter. Wait. I thought that was a really cool like way to kind wait, of tie the wait, in, what is in, that? in the book. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. Um so th- that would have been a cool thing but it might have it might just be like too many movie references in a movie about making a movie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like yeah. and that that's what's so interesting about this is is the the layers of this whole thing. So like you're watching a movie about a movie that's been made and then they actively make that movie. It it's it's crazy. Like at one point I was thinking about James Franco. So like James Franco has like three roles in this. So he's 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 playing Tommy and then at times he's Tommy playing Johnny, right? Yeah. And then there's times where he's Tommy playing director Tommy. You Got know? it. Yes. And yes, then there's yes, James yes. Franco, the director, who's directing himself as Tommy, who's directing other people. So like it's 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 crazy <laughs> the amount of like like layers that he would have had to go through for, for this thing, man. Yeah, yeah. It's so nuts. <laughs> I mean, like, what does it say about James Franco um like as a director? Like, why do you think he chose this project. Like, why do you think he connected with it, this enough? When I, when I, when I, when I heard production was starting for this, it felt like the most on brand thing for him to do because he's so incredibly offbeat and it felt like a middle of the line subject. It felt like middle of the line subject matter that could either go very well or not well at all. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I think I saw the teaser that I was like, this is going to do really well. And yeah. and not even not even because I'm very good at speculation, but because um their angle in combination with the fact that it being a film about films in my opinion, um in just about every field, the most celebrated things are things that are inside baseball. Yeah. Because the people who are pulling the levers relate to it the most. So like I mean, we see it in the video game community, like games like Undertale are celebrated because it's a video game about video games. Right. Like a right. lot, a lot, like a lot of the most celebrated video games you've seen are about video games in the same way art, the artist is celebrated in film and yeah, Birdman like a, is celebrated that, in film. Like, yeah, there's always that, like that, um, that best picture nomination that she's like, well, it's just a movie about movies. Like Hugo was one a few years ago. And yeah, you mentioned the artist. Yeah. It's very much like that. And this is, this is definitely of this is that. definitely that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting. I really loved that he touched on, especially in light of just like current events the um his whole misconception of like uh auteur's entitlement mm-hmm. that like all the greats punished their team in order to have something excellent, so yeah. if you just like sacrifice everybody's patience with you for your vision, you're doing a good job. Yeah, um, it's like he he has that line where he's like, Alfred Hitchcock terrorized his cast. Does that make him a bad man or a great director? You know, like yeah. that's and they're like, no, he's just an a hole. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my god, when he comes out in that scene and he's just like wearing nothing. <laughs> it just That was it was so, so awkward. <laughs> and oh my gosh. It it put flesh on like and when he was like body shaming like and had yeah. no filter, I felt awkward for everybody back in time. Like, yes. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Like the anxiety I got um watching that scene and you know what watching uh that scene especially was just was was like wow this is this is out of control like and you know he thinks he's in the right with this whole thing and and but nobody <laughs> nobody sees it that way it's it's got to be like yeah. i think that everyone's kind of been in this situation like that where you're you're, you're like this is what needs to be done but everyone is kind of like against you and you don't see that you're being the bad guy in this situation, you just see it from this one like pinhole viewpoint and that's it. Um, yeah, it's that, so that's nice. what made the film real for me. Yeah. Cause up until that point, like this, it was like cute and it was, it was not, not that the film itself was cute, but like Tommy Wiseau's character in his arc was like this cute, like here's this harmless, yeah. Very strange guy with a very weird tick. Like, where's this going to go? Right. And then he starts becoming humanized because you start seeing how his problems manifest itself in weird ways. And you start seeing, oh, this is rooted in this insecurity. And then that's when it became very real for me. That's when I started feeling really awkward because it's like his suddenly his strangeness started to seem feasible. Yeah. And like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, and you like, you, I, I don't know about you, but like, I like empathize with him for a split second where he's yeah. like, everyone's making fun of me. They're all laughing at me behind my back. I give, I gave them, I almost like slipped into like Tommy talk for a second. <laughs> like, I give Everybody them opportunity. Laughing at me. I give them opportunity. I pay them salary. salary. <laughs> I pay them salary. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, oh yeah, he is giving these people an opportunity. And so what if the movie sucks? At least these people have a job and they should just kind of go with whatever he says because he's in charge. But then it's like, Oh no, you're being like a real shithead, Tommy. Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's not okay. (laughs) You know, dude, you know what I, uh, you know what I wish they, they did put in. Uh, This is such a douchebaggy thing for it. You know what I did wish they put in from the book. (laughs) I wish they slipped in because what they say, they say that, to this day, we still don't know where Tommy Wiseau is from, where right. he got his money, da da da. But we do have an inkling of where he's from because, um, in I, were they taking like an acting class together or something like that? And and like there, it was it was when the World Cup was going on, yeah, and France won, and, and he was like really and excited Tommy Wiseau, about it. Yeah, he was really excited about it, and then yeah. like Mark told him congratulations, and he was like thanks. Yeah. And and like that sort of like uh satiated his like inkling like was so like is he French? Like what's his deal? You know what yeah. I mean? And I thought that that was really cool because it was this one weird moment where like he kind of lets his guard down, and doesn't really care, you know. Yes. Yep. Um <laughs> and you kind of get this weird inkling. And then there's a part in the book where he tells this story about Tommy kind of growing up in Europe and and he tells the story about him being in the in the accident, right? Like Greg re- relates that in a chapter. There's a chapter kind of set up and and is talking from from this like omniscient point of view, like uh, telling the story about Tommy. Uh, but then I'm glad they kind of like took that and gave that to Tommy the character in the movie as like a little like glimpse into they're like, oh, maybe he was like messed up in this accident, and maybe that's what these like. Um, eccentricities are coming from you know yeah. this eccentricness is coming from that um or maybe he's just really weird we don't know i mean that would that that kind of origin story is very interesting to me i don't know if them including it would i mean obviously i would want the, i want i want that kind of stuff to be there but i don't know if that would take away from the point i mean probably but like yeah it like it seemed like that arc the arc that they focused on was i guess I don't know. Like my takeaway was like, well, I guess there's no wrong takeaway, but it's like how we get when we have like a cartoonized understanding of fame and success. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah. So I, I see how that might have gotten away from that a little bit or not really contributed as much, but um, it's, I don't know. It still would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it, it would have been interesting to get a little more into that a little bit, but I think that's, it's kind of nice that there's the, uh, the mystery of it all. Yeah. You know, and it ends with that title card. That's just like, no one knows where Tommy's from. No one knows where he got the money from. And I'm glad they had that scene with uh, Seth Rogen's character where he goes to cash the check. Oh my gosh, yes. And like the teller is just like, this thing is bottomless. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Man, like, is it drugs? Is it just money laundering? What is it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> Don't talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, so did you get like, so we talked about like being like kind of like secondhand embarrassed about this. Uh, did you, uh, I don't know if, if you, if you, this ever happens to you, but sometimes when I watch um, movies about uh, movies falling apart or stress in like a production, I get mm -hmm. like crazy anxiety. From it, especially like like uh, PTSD. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. You think yeah. about all the terrible things like you've done about this, and you're like, oh god, I did that. That's terrible. Um, yeah, especially like we're getting ready to do this like big, um, you know, production kind of thing, and and watching this. Um, and actually, I was watching special features from um, the Last Jedi, and like there's this documentary on there where uh, Ryan Johnson's talking about how he wants to make this he's excited for this opportunity but then they interview like three or four crew members and they like express the the their concern that he doesn't know what he's doing or this is like too big a task for him and they kind of like lose faith in him and it was like that combined with this and it was like oh my god everyone's <laughs> gonna find out that i don't know what i'm doing and it's gonna play out exactly like this um <laughs> like when he when he goes into into that into the rental place and they're like, Oh, we usually rent everything. And he's just like, almost like too embarrassed to like, that's the cover yeah, for him to just buy all the equipment <laughs> and like to buy all the equipment rather than just be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's what everybody else does. I'll do that. I, I, I didn't know that, but thank you for telling me. And now we can do that instead. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> a complete inverse of that. It's like, Oh, well, yeah, I knew that I'm talking about buying all this stuff. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I even love the link that they that they it reminds me of in the beginning, which I didn't know at all. The whole tearing me apart quote, mm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know that he got cool. that from. <laughs> yeah, from yeah, James yeah. Dean kind of thing. Dean, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that they kept the. And we call your character Mark. You know, after Mark Dave. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so good. Um. Yeah, I really, I really did like sympathize with Tommy in this, in in ways that I didn't think, uh, I didn't think that I would, and uh, it was very surprising in that sense. Um, Which ones grabbed your attention? Um, it was like kinda, what, like which scenes kind of stirred up. Like I, I guess that I never, um, I never kind of put together that the reason Tommy wasn't in LA was because he didn't have a friend to kind of try to make Me this neither. work with. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like uh, that was kind of like lost in the book. And, and um, if, you know, if it isn't there at all, I'm not really even sure if it is. Um, but the, the, the film made me feel like that. It's like, Oh yeah. He just, he was too afraid to do it by himself. So he never like took the chance to try to make it or anything. Um, and to yeah, me, like, I was like right away from Mark. I was like, "Red flag, red flag." Yeah, because well, yeah, <laughs> I don't like feeling indebted. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, that and relationship is so strange, and even even to this day, I, I still try to like figure out like what made him. Is it just was he just naive, or was Greg just being kind of like opportunistic about it? Like, oh well, this guy can do that. I, it'll help me, and I'll just deal with the weirdness. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't I know. Feel, I feel like there was. I feel like it was probably more opportunistic. <laughs> yeah, and like that's from, what and, that's what I want to believe. What I want to believe is like this bank of patience that he has in the film is probably a bit generous. Yeah, um, and Tommy was a little bit more oblivious, you right? Know? Yeah, and like um, their their relationship is so 
odd and 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 like sometimes when you see like a relationship kind of like this, you can be like, oh, there's like homoerotic undertones, but this was just like all kind of out there. Yeah. Like even like the mother especially is like is alluding to that. Um yeah. and and I, I like I'm I keep trying to understand where Tommy is coming from with like is he is he attracted to Greg or is it purely just a friendship <laughs> kind of thing? Is it just a platonic thing and he just gets jealous the way like you hear like your friend is hanging out with another one of their friends and you're like, Oh, why didn't you call me? You know, is it yeah. is it is it just that or is it a much more love interest. Um, so I would, I would be speculating as well. Um, I, well, what the film, what I like is that the film kind of squashed it right away. Right. Like they put what, what was ever in everybody's minds out the door when he's yeah. like, Oh, you don't want to share a bed. Just kidding. You know? Right. Um, right. Right. In real, since this is based on real life, I would wonder. Um, but, I have a friend who lives out in California and would always go out to those this I mean this was a couple of years ago when like they would have that what is it it's the monthly viewing and uh Tommy Wiseau would go to the theater every week and play catch with mm-hmm. whoever was outside dressed up in suits and stuff yeah yeah and he said he was a big like he's a huge skeeve ball like if there are any oh, girls really? who goes he's always like hitting really hard and it's like Oh, really gross, and he's very overt about it. So, huh? <laughs> All right, good to know. That makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> so yeah, with that information, I, yeah, I, I think it's just like a really strange friendship, and he just really wants some kind of weird, warped version of validation. Or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. I, I feel like his motivation in the beginning is just kind of like, oh, well, I don't have any friends. Here is someone who has expressed interest and usually I would imagine he's the one kind of pursuing that, but Greg kind of comes to him and initiates this friendship. And then when kind of, when Greg, uh, uh, through Tommy's eyes rejects him, Tommy takes it as like a a slight and, and it becomes like vindictive. Um, (laughs) yeah. Like, and like I, this scene with like Brian Cranston with like the shaving of the beard, was that in the book? Like a scene like that? I don't remember that. Yeah, I, don't I do rem- not remember that. Yeah, I don't remember if it, if the thing with with if he had to shave if if that conflict. I don't know if that was. Like I think it was just like a beat or something. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a great, I did feel it's a bad. Great beat. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think it's a really good beat in the movie. Um, I was just trying to remember in the book if that I was, was like, man, I would have taken it. <laughs> oh yeah, it would have been like, yeah, Tommy, whatever. You'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was just being like really like vindictive at that point. Yeah. Um, yo, can we talk real quick about like the attention to detail that Franco paid Ooh, the original where? movie just it, throughout the entire thing? Um, like the, I think like the set designer and the DP did such a good job of recreating. Oh my gosh. Did they? Yes. Even like, just like the mood of, yes, I, I can't explain how, but yeah, they recreated everything like tit for tat. I, I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, like so much so when they put those side by sides up there, I, I didn't think they were going to do it. I thought they were just going to be like, "Well, we we got it kind of close." It's close enough, yeah. Right, but it's right. like really close. Like even like the hand gestures are spot yes. on. Oh my god! And they're, when they're, when they're yeah when they're side by side and the the, the dialogue starts to like, starts to like sync up, and it's just it's so crazy. The camera moves are <laughs> are, are are so spot on. Yeah, like. So oh my god! So, and I, that small moment where they have the glass with the water running down, he's like, "It's like a waterfall." <laughs> it's uh, he's so, like, I just love the idea of reverse engineering this like really sh- like terrible, terrible like component of like yes. the sex scene, and like like imagining how enamored he must have been with that in order with for it that. to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, because like oh even like I didn't even think about this until just now. Like even when they're watching all of the clips in the theater, like all of, all of the scenes from the movie, like those are new, freshly shot scenes. Like they're not clips from the room. Like you're seeing, you're you're seeing them. Like they they put together a good chunk of this movie and like recreated it. Yeah, it's it's definitely. It's outstanding. It's almost like a separate project. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Like, I was hoping when it came out uh, on, like, home video, like, I was hoping 
that there would be like a full version of the of the room of the whole movie. Oh, that would be perfect. You know what I mean? Perfect. Yes. I would I would kickstart the shit out of that project. No, I would too. I totally <sighs> wish that they did that. I mean, the scenes they did are phenomenal. Like Yeah. The, my favorite one is uh the scene in San Francisco where uh it's when he goes to buy the flowers. And it's like, hi, dog. Yes, you're my yes. favorite customer. Know, keep that change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they got that the, this actress. She's they got the that, same lady, right? No, no. It, it's, so. it's, a, it's another oh, actress. She looks so she's, close. Yeah. She, she's in this show, Superstore, and she's so funny. Um, and, like, I saw, I saw her tweet out. Uh, somebody was like, I'm so glad I saw you in, in, uh, in The Disaster Artist. She's like, oh, my God. She's like, I can die happy because I portrayed that lady for the flower show. It's so, can it's we so talk weird. about like how Nathan for you is in this film, like low key? Wait, what? <laughs> do, do you know Nathan? Nathan from the show Nathan for you? Wait, who? Oh yeah, he's the 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 nerdy guy. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. He's the nerdy yeah. friend who like and, falls yeah. down, and and yeah, and like just the it. entire <laughs> cast of the fake room is so good. Um, like Josh Hutcherson from like Hunger yeah. Games is yeah. Denny, and he's so good. Oh my god! And freaking uh, Zach Efron. <laughs> oh my god! Like all these, these people are they're just Denny. here. Like, money. like they're just here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the uh, next time you come over, we'll we'll have to watch the uh, the making of stuff because. Uh, oh please, yeah, yeah. Franco talks about that. He's like, he's like, I wanted to shoot this in LA because I just wanted as many of my friends to be in this as possible. So like Zach Efron <laughs> was just like there and just pops in for, for to, to, this, to be Chris R. Um, and uh, there's like, there's other scenes that they shot that uh, like didn't make it in the movie. So like they did the whole um, in the room where they're on the rooftop and Denny's like crying. So oh there's, there's no, a bunch I of, want that. Oh dude, it's so good. There's so many takes of Do- Josh Hutcherson just like, doing doing a line and then just busting out laughing like they can't get through it and like there's a couple <laughs> scenes where they're, they're there's like a blooper reel and they're talking about how they just they try to reenact the movie and then just like you know so much time is spent like of them just like laughing and trying to like compose themselves i to couldn't get imagine movies. yeah oh, like dude, it's so good like i couldn't imagine like just the first few days like having to like normalize james franco doing such a good impression well dude and he's in tommy gear and like Tommy prosthetics yeah. and like doing the Tommy voice, like directing some scenes, it's out of control. Yeah. Uh, did it's you watch well. at the very end? What's at the very end? There's a scene uh, with part part of the Tommy agreeing to let them do it was that he wanted to be in the movie. Oh wow, that's that's a low bar. What, yeah. What is he? What is he? What's his role? I don't think I see it. So, I don't think I saw it. It's it's at the very end of the movie, like after the credits, right? Um, so, so I, I heard this interview with James Franco and he was like, he's like, part of it was Tommy wanted to be in the movie. And I was like, Tommy, I don't know how I'm going to put you in a movie about you, about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without it seeming distracting. So they came up with this like sequence where it's like Greg's birthday and they're celebrating on the roof and, um, James Franco, Tommy is just kind of like leaning up against the wall and this guy comes up who is, is Tommy, but looks he looks kind of like Johnny Depp. He's got like a soul patch and like a okay. Johnny Depp like mustache. And yeah. they have this interaction with like, why are you standing? Why are you not hanging out with people? Why are you talking to me? Why are you doing this? And they're just like improving with each other. It's it's bonkers. <laughs> it's it's really surreal. <laughs> I have to go back and watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's uh, <laughs> it's definitely worth uh, uh, staying for that. Oh, and uh, him singing "What Is Love" over the credits. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I missed all of this. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, I should have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the credits start and they start playing What is Love. And then, you know, further down into it, Tommy just like times, or Tommy, uh, James Franco, yeah. know, it's like, What is Love, baby, don't hurt. <laughs> like over over the actual song. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, man. Yeah, man. I, I'm so happy that this movie is so good. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's just a nice companion piece because now, now you have, you have like the room you can show somebody and get them to enjoy that, and then you can be like, well, here's like the making of this, which is yeah. insane. And then for like further reading, they can go back and read the book and really get like the full experience. 
Yeah, I feel I feel like the period of time, like I feel like the room was a cult classic for a good long run. Mm-hmm. Like a good decent amount of time that like maybe you're like listening to a podcast, you're talking with a friend, and they're just like, Oh, by the by, like there's this show on Netflix and there's this movie on Netflix called The Room, and like it's just this low budget crazy thing. Check it out. Yeah. Um I remember hearing that for years before we started the podcast and I actually got to watch it. No, oh, it's so cool. And I feel like after that time, it's really cool to see somebody commemorate what feels like a really interesting story. Because I mean, really on my own volition, I think most of us like when you first finish watching the room, you're just like the first thing, like the first thought that comes to mind is just how did this happen? Right. Like and this can't be, this can't be on purpose. Yeah. And it's great that there's just like a chronicle for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's really nice in the movie too, is that uh, I was, I was watching it again last night and, and I had this thought of, um, of like an interpretation of like the last scene in the movie where, they're screening the movie and Tommy runs out because everyone's like laughing at it and they kind of come back in um, and, and the movie ends and they're chanting Tommy's name. And part of me almost feels like it's a time jump. Like, like Ooh. as if they're not in like the first screening of the movie, they're in, you know, they're 10 years Ooh. later and all these people are enjoying it. Like it, it, it it seems a little ridiculous for the cast who hated working on it so much to be cheering that much. So it's like, it's a nice interpretation of like what has happened over That's time. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was thinking about it. Cause you don't really see any of the other cast and crew members. They don't cut back to them after Tommy comes back in. So I was like, I wonder if that's kind of like the, the, um, the method or the, the method, the message in that, uh, that would that actually scene. be really cool. I did not know that. That makes me yeah. want to go back. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna try and rewatch it and see if if that idea holds up or if I was just sleepy and tired <laughs> well, it's cool. and made it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely cool. Yeah, um, yeah, man. I just really really enjoyed the whole experience, um, the whole thing. It's like it's like I want to like show more people this and and get more people to watch it just to like really appreciate um, the craziness that this is. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, man. So if you haven't seen it and you're like, what are they babbling on about? Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Watch it all. Watch watch the room. Watch this. Yeah. Read the book. And if, if you have seen it and you haven't – if you're listening and you have seen it but you haven't seen the room, please reach out to us on Twitter, Nick Murphy at Hey Nick Murphy, me at Satchel Drakes, um, and let us know what you think about it as just like a cold call, like not even knowing what the film is like. Do you want to see what the room is like? Did you think it was fiction? Like, how do you think it held up on its own? Like, I'm pretty curious to know. Yeah. And how did you feel after watching three 20 minute sex scenes back to back to back? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. Thanks for coming along guys. We really appreciate it. We have a good time and, uh, we'll be back. Bye. The Cinephilia Anonymous telecast is produced by Satchel Drakes and Nick Murphy. Music by Mark Yunker. You can hear more of his music at yunker.ca. That's J-U-N-K-E-R dot C-A. You can follow the telecast on Twitter at C-A Telecast. Subscribe on YouTube at C-A Telecast. Subscribe on iTunes. And check out our website, C-A Telecast.com.